Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. And Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus. Built with the zero landfill promise, all waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. And Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. Experience Asheville on a whole new level on a guided rooftop tour. Enjoy history, award-winning rooftop bars, gorgeous views, and van-chauffeured transportation. Tours daily, year-round, with cover and heated rooftop areas. Find out more at AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC. Now be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website, speakingoftravel.net, and you can sign up for the Travel Club, and you'll receive some really great travel news and travel tips and some really cool upcoming vacation destination opportunities. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website on the iHeartRadio app iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much all podcast platforms have Speaking of Travel, so you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world. Well, are you a cheese lover? Because I sure am. And one of my very favorite places to consume lots of yummy cheese is in Spain. Did you know that Spanish cheesemaking traditions go back thousands of years? In fact, Spain has one of the richest world cuisines. So when you think Spain, imagine delicious Spanish cheeses and tapas and wine and, oh my gosh, countless typically classic Spanish dishes. And what better way to experience the cheese and the food culture than going on a tour to learn and experience the deep historical roots and thriving food culture of this amazing region of the world? Well, my guests today are the sister duo, Katie and Nancy Moore. Katie is the executive director of the WNC Cheese Trail, and she and Nancy combine their education and travel experience to create an exciting tour to northern Spain, and I am excited to have you here, and just want to say as an aside, thanks for the cheese. (laughs) (laughs) You guys rock it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. We're happy to be here. Great. So let's start talking about the WNC Wine Trail first and foremost, because every year I go to this festival and eat a lot of cheese. There are a lot of people there. uh, And that's part of what you're doing. Is that right? So the WNC Cheese Trail, yes, is uh, I'm the executive director of that organization. It is a nonprofit organization that was started in uh, 2012, I believe. Um, the local cheesemakers got together and said, hey, we need to make sure people know we're making this awesome cheese right in their backyards, and we need to be sure to be able to sell our product, and we need to have tourism come in and learn about this part of the country, this part of the state. 
So um, those folks got together. I joined them about, I guess, eight months, a year after they had kind of gotten the cheese trail up and running. Uh, and I came on and started the Carolina Mountain Cheese Fest with them. The whole reason the festival happens is to support the trail. And I just wanted to say, as you were talking about this this show in particular and talking about vacation destinations, we all know that Asheville is a wonderful destination. But when folks come to Asheville, we really encourage them to visit some of the cheesemakers who are part of the cheese trail. It's a really wonderful way to learn about what's happening outside of Asheville that contributes to the uniqueness of, of this region. So the cheese, the WNC Cheese Trail is a great destination also. Um, and so the festival, we're in our sixth year. It's April 26th at Highland Brewing. It's a great way to visit the trail in one day. <laughs> All of our trail cheesemakers are there. And then we have additional cheesemakers. We have other food vendors, all local, all small businesses. We have demonstrations, workshops, all sorts of fun things that happen that day. And it's a really wonderful way to support not only the Cheese Trail, but other local businesses. I keep the ticket price low. And the reason for that is we want folks to come and actually support these local businesses by buying product from them and having a really great day. It's at Highland Brewing, wonderful setting. We really have a good time with that. It is so family-friendly, too. There's always a lot of kids there and and families and people – I mean, how can you not have a good time when there's cheese involved? Yeah. Well, and years ago, <laughs> we had a day kind of like what today is here in, in the Asheville area. It's pouring rain. And one year we had that. And we probably still had 850, 900 people show up in their rain gear, smiles in on their faces. Two inches of water, like with their boots on. It was crazy. Yeah. And people were really happy to be there. So we have a, a committed group of cheese lovers that that come to the Cheese Fest every year. It's a lot of fun. So I encourage people to come. Uh, Remember, the Cheese Fest is one day, but the Cheese Trail is year-round. Our cheesemakers are award-winning cheesemakers. They're doing a great job, and the best way to support them is to buy their product. And tell us how we can find out more information about the Cheese Trail. Sure. So um, if you go online, uh, www.wnccheesetrail.org. So WNC cheese trail all one word.org that'll take you to our website and then also the festival has a website also and you can switch between the two and learn about both of them at the same time well i'm just so excited because i love cheese so much so you're really like talking dirty to me right now with all this <laughs> wonderful and when you're talking about the committed people who love cheese the committed people who love making cheese mm-hmm. that's such a big part of it too is um, just I've been on a couple of um, visits to cheesemakers, and it is fascinating. Yeah. Uh, they're fascinating people. They love their art, mm-hmm. and uh, and you can't come away without just feeling really good. Appreciating, appreciating that so much more. And some of our cheesemakers are what are called farmstead cheesemakers, meaning they have the animals there with them, um, which – Cheese making in itself is enough work, but to also have the animals that you have to care for, you know, animals don't know what day of the week it is or when holidays are and all that. They need to be milked no matter what, or they need to be taken care of no matter what. So these folks who are making cheese, especially, I mean, all of them that that are making cheese, they, you know, like Marilyn said, they are so committed to it and they're, you know, they're not millionaires. They're working really hard. And so again, support them by support the cheese makers. So together, well, let me just ask you, because your sisters, which one of you is the older? 
Do we have to oh. say that? <laughs> I don't know that we have to say that. Yeah. And one of what? us looks older, but the other no, one is the no, older no, one. No. <laughs> Good thing we're on radio. That's right. No one knows. We'll keep it a secret. But you both have a history of, um, of loving Spanish in it, traveling. So yes. talk about that a little bit, Nancy. Okay. Well, I um, Spanish... I have been speaking Spanish for a number of years. I studied it in college, uh, worked with an organization in Chicago that was a Spanish-speaking organization. And then I was in the Peace Corps for two years a while ago in Honduras in Central America. So I've always had, ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to speak Spanish. So that was like one of my life goals, and I achieved it fairly early on. <laughs> so, um, And then in terms of Spain... And Spanish. I studied in Spain when I was in college and then have gone back uh, various times over the years. So for me, and Spain is just, as you said, is a beautiful country and it's so diverse. And it's it's amazing to me how diverse it is language-wise because the Spanish that we speak in the Americas is called Castellano in Spain. And it's one of five recognized languages in the country that are distinct languages. So that to me is fascinating in and of itself. Um, and so that's the Spanish on my end. I don't know, Kate, if you want to talk about how you, because you're well, the instigator really for the whole idea for the yeah. tour well, I, Yeah. So for, for me, Spain was because of cheese and cider. So um, I had never been to Spain. I've traveled all over the world, never been to Spain. So um, my partner, Dan, was having a birthday, and I said, hey, why don't we go to Spain and go to northern Spain? He's a cider maker. We'll do cider and cheese and started doing some research and was like, wow, there's a lot to do in this region. How do people decide what to do? So created a trip and ended up turning that into a tour, just realizing how much history and cultural, social, I mean, just so much there that I knew so little about. Well, <clears throat> I can't wait to hear more about it. I've been to southern Spain. I've never been to northern Spain, so I've heard it's wonderful. I want to hear more detail about that. And I just love the way that you've brought your background, your knowledge, your history, your love, your kind of uh, wanderlust, like, hey, let's go to Spain, and then created uh, some a new path. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to have Kate and Nancy Moore uh Blessed are the cheesemakers. The best way to feel the love is to share it. That's why Subaru created the Subaru Share the Love event. Over the last 11 years, Subaru has donated over $145 million to charity. This year, we're continuing the tradition. Right now, when you get a new Subaru, Subaru will donate $250 to your choice of charity partners. The ASPCA, Make-A-Wish, Meals on Wheels, or the National Park Foundation. This year, Prestige Subaru welcomes Homeward Bound WNC and the Asheville Humane Society as our hometown charity partners. The Subaru Share the Love event. Now through January 2nd at Prestige Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. 
Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, your host of Speaking of Travel, and I have to tell you the Asheville Rooftop Bar Tour just might be the hottest ticket in town for locals and visitors alike. Kay Bentley and her amazing team at Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours helped organize a group tour for us on a recent Sunday afternoon. We saw a part of Asheville's best views with well-known and new sites to look out over from high above the city. It is, as the name suggests, a tour on top of some of Asheville's fabulous rooftop bars. Sit back and order some handcrafted cocktails, some craft beer, local wines, maybe a small plate of yummy food, while you're learning about Asheville from the early years through historical photos from the late 1800s and early 1900s and hearing stories about what was going on at that time. And then you get van chauffeured to the next rooftop bar stop. It's so much fun. For more information, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars and let me see what spring is like on welcome back to speak i'm your host marilyn ball and my guests today are the sister duo kate and nancy moore and we're talking cheese and we're talking spain and we're talking travel and you know i always like to ask my guests when you were growing up, did you travel as kids? Were you a traveling family? <laughs> Go ahead, Nan. Well, we moved a lot. So every three or four years, Dad would come home and say, okay, we're moving. And we got to know that we'd be like, oh, great. Here he's walking down the path. We're moving. <laughs> so we traveled the States a lot. And we also took vacations. That was one thing our family was we had a two-week vacation every year and we went somewhere. Sometimes we were moving as part of that. but uh, So we've lived uh, in many places, like between the two of us, I don't know, all over the United States. Um, so there's that. So, yes, the travel bug was kind of put into us, gypsy, in early. And then um, for me, I started traveling in college, but I followed in both. Uh, we have an older sister who we had an exchange students when we were kids, and she actually went to Brazil as an exchange student. And um, then Katie started traveling, was doing all this incredible travel while I was in college. I was sort of like, oh, I kind of want to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, studied in Spain, and then decided I was going to go in the Peace Corps and that kind of stuff. So um, and have traveled since then. And I think Katie should really talk a little bit about her. Well, I, experience. I think that word that you used earlier, Marilyn Wanderlust, is a really good word to use for both of us because, um, as, as Nancy mentioned, our whole family is our travelers. Um, and for, for us, I think it uh, we're, we're pretty curious. And so that kind of helps us, you know, work out our curiosities. And we're very experiential. I know as a learner, I'm very experiential. So for me, traveling really feeds that that need that I have. And that's a really good thing. And um, as Nancy mentioned, I traveled quite a bit as a young person. I basically was on the road for about eight years traveling. And I traveled all over the world. And uh, a lot of it was based on my curiosity um, and that kind of thing. And then um, in college, I did study international relations. That was my undergrad degree. Later um, in Los Angeles, I worked for an organization called Constitutional Rights Foundation. And we did a program called Deliberating in a Democracy, and that was about democracy education. So I traveled quite a bit in former Soviet bloc countries, um, former Yugoslavia, and then in Central and South America um, doing democracy education. And one of the things that I learned there, and had learned this through my other travels, 
was that you learn so much about a country when you're able to um, not only visit people who live there, but have experiences that a tourist may not get. So like going into a school, you learn a lot about a country and its people when you go and visit schools. So that that was really key to me as I was doing democracy education, not only because I had to do tours, I had to arrange tours. So not only for the teachers who I was working with when they visited other countries, but when teachers came from those other countries to the United States. So a lot of my experience and and background with travel is that experiential learning. And so that's what Nancy and I have done with our tour to Spain. And um, it's important that we kind of share that information with folks because one of the things what we were talking about when we were developing the informational page on the, on the website was we want this to not be like your – this is figuratively, um, sitting in a bus and looking out the window. We really want you to kind of have boots on the ground, have interactions with people who are, you know, folks who live in in that region, in that area. So that's really what we've worked hard to do with this tour. And I think we've done a good job of it. So, yeah. Well, thank thank you for for telling these stories because it's so important for people to understand that, you know, Traveling really changes the way that you look at life, the way that you um, process and break down cultural barriers. And let's talk a little bit about northern Spain. Uh, Give us an idea of even geographically what we're talking about and what kind of cultures uh, are there that you'll be uh, taking people to. Sure. Talk about that. You want me to? Well, yeah, I can start. So we're going to two. We focus on two regions in northern Spain: Asturias and then País Vasco or the Basque Country. And um, they're on the north coast. It's very green. You have to. We're coming from Madrid. You drive over mountains. You drive over the Picos de Europa to get to Asturias, and um, it's just a really change from the high plains of central Spain to go to this area that looks very different. It's really green. It's a lot like here, actually, where there's these mountains and you're on the, well, there's not coast here, but like in in, um, Asturias, one of the places where we stay is, you know, we're staying in this little Airbnb, basically, and you can see the ocean is, you know, you can see it. It's not close. You can see it. It's maybe a 15, 20 minute drive away, but you're in the foothills. You're in the mountains. So it's, it's just this really interesting contrast. And Relatively speaking, I think it's fairly warm. Not it's not hot, but in the we were there in January one time, and it was in the it was kind of like here, like today <laughs> in in January, where it was in the fifties, and we were you know, and it was rainy and cloudy, but um, just really lush that way, and kind of the the Picos de Europa are really these stark mountains. There's a lot of granite, and you know, so this, but you see that coming out of these this green forest area. So uh, go ahead. And I was just going to say those mountains play an important role in keeping that part of what we, we call Spain, that region, what it is. Those mountains have played an important role in protecting an area. Um, and then you also have the Pyrenees. Once you know you go further east and you're in the Basque country, you have the Pyrenees that also provide a similar thing. So, so part of the history that's there has been preserved because of the geography. And so that's a and it's wonderful when you're when you travel over those mountains, you can feel it. I mean, the the air changes, it changes what you're seeing, but you can just sense you it's al- almost 
is like going into a different country. So I think that's a really important geographical thing to keep in mind for that part of Spain. Yeah. Also, um, and especially in Asturias, it's very Celtic. So there, there was a huge Celtic influence. I don't know. I'm not a historian, so I can't tell you the dates. But early on, so before the Romans were there and before the Moors never got that far north, the mountains stopped them from getting all the way to the coast. Um, so in we go to Gijón, and there's a it's the Museum of the People. And I and, and Asturias, they have a dialect of Spanish that is like I don't if they're speaking the dialect, I don't understand it. So um and it's Museo del Pueblo or something like that. But um, they actually have a bagpipe section to that museum where they have the bagpipes, uh, the history of bagpipes in the area. So so it's, it's interesting to think about that. You don't think of Spain in that at all. So that's um, and definitely in that area, the Romans were definitely up in that area. There's a Roman bath that you can visit an archaeological dig and that kind of stuff. So there's that kind of deep history of it. Um, and I, I don't know in the Basque country if there's Rome. I don't know if the Romans were really in the Basque country either. Not that much. Yeah. Because the, the Basque and these folks have a very strong history of being Basque. And they have kind of maintained that through the Celts, through the Romans, all of that. So that is the other thing that happens then as you're going east from Asturias into the Basque country. Again, you just get a sense it it definitely changes and and not negative or positive at all it just it changes and so when you're in that Basque country you're getting another a, a totally different experience and Nancy can talk a little bit more later about the language there because it's very different that would be great and how can somebody uh, you were talking about a website for this trip what mm-hmm. is the website for you this? can just go to explorenorthernspain.com oh, that's easy yeah explorenorthernspain.com yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll go to explorenorthernspain.com. We'll be back with Katie and Nancy Moore. We're talking about northern Spain. I love the idea of having these exponential type of trips where it's people to people. You're talking to people. You've got a lot on this agenda of what you'll be doing on that trip. So when we come back, we'll find out more. Stay tuned. Green is good. Local food, less oil. Renewable energy, sustainable peace. Tree hugger. Say no to GMOs. Be kind to animals. Don't eat them. Go solar. Coexist. Don't buy a dog. Rescue one. Keep Asheville weird. We just read the bumper stickers on the back of a Subaru. Welcome to Subiville. Prestige Subaru. On the web at PrestigeSubaru.com. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away, starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, Elite, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Hi, I'm Kay Bentley of Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours. Want to experience that Asheville vibe from the sky? Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours offers up the best views of the city and the best way to see them on a -a one-of-a-kind guided rooftop tour. Enjoy history, award-winning rooftop bars, spectacular and mountain city views, along with van-chauffeured transportation. Tours are offered year-round, rain or shine, with covered and heated rooftop areas. Come sip and see the city from a bird's-eye view with us. Visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. 
Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on Speaking of travel, I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and it is time to catch up with our fellow traveler, Doc Lawrence, as he takes us along the Gourmet Highway. Well, today, Doc headed a little north and is in lovely St. Genevieve, Missouri, right on the banks of the mighty Mississippi. Doc told me this is the most authentic French city he's ever visited in the United States. Bonjour, Doc. I know you. You're probably someplace with uh, wine and good food, so tell us all about it. Marilyn, you know, I've taken to the big rivers lately, the Mississippi, the Cumberland, and the Tennessee. And the other day, I jumped on a riverboat, headed north from Memphis, and I took a detour back up north of the Mississippi, just a little bit north of Memphis to the beautiful French city, St. Genevieve, Missouri, right here on the west bank of the mighty Mississippi. Maryland, St. Genevieve was the first French settlement west of the Mississippi River, and the French connections today are profoundly impressive. One thing I noticed is the architecture. The old homes, and there's a bunch of them here, are built in the French style with the post in the ground, vertical support. You don't see log cabins here you see vertical buildings made of wood, and they are gorgeous. Wineries dot the countryside, Maryland. The French and other European immigrants brought their winemaking skills into Missouri and other states, and Missouri is a major wine-producing state. One of the most beautiful routes in America is the Missouri Wine Trail. you got to allow about three days to complete this, and you'll want to stop and taste the goodies along the way and it is a delicious tour. This is one true American wine grape here, the Norton, that is equal in tasting with the great vinifera of Europe. Norton is the wine grape of the Cherokee, which is also the state grape of Virginia, and the state grape, of course, of Missouri. It was named after Thomas Jefferson's plant biologist, and it is simply grand. Maryland, you can have waffles and pancakes all over North Carolina and Georgia and throughout the U.S., but here in St. Genevieve, it's crepes, the French version of pancakes, light, fluffy, and delicious. I began today with breakfast at the Inn St. Germain Beauvoir, where I'm staying, with a platter of crepe Suzette, my cup runneth over. Today, Maryland, we toured local wineries and sampled the wares. History dominates here, and you can feel the spirit of Mark Twain every moment. Dining last night was at Cafe Genevieve. It was fabulous, but tonight, oh, it's going to be hard to top this, Marilyn, and I wish you were with me. We're dining with Hank Johnson, who owns the Grapevine Grill and Chalmette Vineyards and Winery. The stunning view of the Missouri countryside will last in my memory forever. Chambersine is one of the wines we're going to have. That's a local red. And we're going to top everything off with a Norton Reserve, pure Missouri, with beef tenderloin. Marilyn, you know me. I brought along a bottle of Jack Daniels to present to our host just as a thank you for opening up the wonderful window of the world here in Missouri. 
So for Maryland Ball and speaking of travel, this is Doc Lawrence on the Gourmet Highway in beautiful St. Genevieve, Missouri, saying so long for now, and I hope to see you soon in your hometown. Well, thanks, Doc. St. Genevieve has definitely captured my heart, and I can't wait to visit. Au revoir. Remember, travel slowly. You can follow Doc's journey on the Gourmet Highway by visiting thegourmethighway.com. I'm here in the studio today with Katie and Nancy Moore. Katie is the executive director of the WNC Cheese Trail. And as I had said, she and Nancy combined all their background and education and travel to create this exciting trip to northern Spain. And I have to say, the Basque country has always been uh, a region that captured my imagination because it's so... Uh, like you were saying, it's so old, and the lineage goes back so far, and they've had such turmoil over all their, you know, thousands of years. Why did you decide that this was an area where you wanted to to bring people? Yeah. Well, uh, part of the reason is cider. Um, Yeah. So uh, cider is a big part of my life, and uh, Again, I was looking at places to go that had cider and cheese, and you know, northern Spain won hands down. <laughs> so, well, that and was... cider. I mean, arguments are that cider originated. That's one of the origination places of cider is in Asturias and the Basque country. So, um, the Basque are known as uh, travelers, world travelers from w- uh, way long ago, <laughs> way way long ago, um, and they uh, were whalers also. So. Um, they were over here in North America, and the the seas outside our borders, uh, whaling and fishing well before we certainly were. Um, and one of the ways that they stayed healthy on their ships was they took cider. So um, they were able to prevent scurvy by having all of their sailors drink cider while traveling. So cider has played a really important role in that region of the world. Um, so for me, that was uh, an attraction to, to going there. Also, um, we, we meaning here in the United States, m- most of us, of course, not all of us, but many of us know very little about the Basque country. And um, as an educator, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to educate folks about stuff. <laughs> and so as I was planning this trip, you know, for a personal trip, it was like, wow, there's so much history here that I didn't even know about. Um, and I've traveled quite a bit, so I'm assuming – Quite a few people know even less than I do. Wouldn't it be great to put something together to help educate people about this important region of the world? So um, that was another kind of passion for that. And they have a thriving, in all of northern Spain, thriving um, food community. I mean, um, well, food's important to everyone, but um, especially there, they've been they've done a lot w- around their food production and keeping uh, traditional um Food production um, ways of ways of producing food alive. So um, that's a, another attraction for me as a cheesemaker. Um, you know, it's important for me to know what other food production things are happening and artisan production and that kind of thing. So those were the reasons. And you know, Nancy has a history of being in Spain. And well, it was funny because <clears throat> before that trip that I went on with you, the first one, I had never been in that area. Of the country, so it was it was interesting to me, and it is really they do speak um, what they call it Euskara, which is its own language. It's not related to any other language in Europe or any they like linguistically. They have no idea where it came from. It's a 
what they call a Proto-European language. It's very different from Spanish and what we know as Spanish. And um, everything, what I like about going there is very bilingual uh, area. So all the road signs and everything, they have Euskara first and Castellano, or what we think of as Spanish, is second on the list. And people amongst themselves, a lot of people in um, not the whole area, but many people would will speak Euskara first, you know, with each other. And they're not speaking Spanish with each other. They'll speak Spanish with you. But talking with each other, they're just going to be speaking this this Basque language, what we would know as Basque in English. But um, so that's really it's really fascinating. And it's fascinating to hear it because it is does not sound like Spanish at all. Well, tell so. us again how uh, we can find out more about the tour when we come back, I want to talk about um, what it's like when you're um, uh, meeting these local people and having these hands-on experiences and really what that brings to being able to travel uh, in a small group. So what's the website again? Uh, uh, ExploreNorthernSpain.com. ExploreNorthernSpain.com. Well, we're going to explore northern Spain. We're so glad you're here. And again, blessed are the cheesemakers. <laughs> what does being on a rooftop tell you about a city? With Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, you'll see Asheville, North Carolina like no one else can. Kay and her team have done their homework, and it shows— Sharing historical city photos from the 1800s and 1900s, these tours weave an intriguing tale of Asheville's early years, as seen from Asheville's award-winning rooftop bars. Kick back and relax for fun with friends and family and enjoy fabulous handcrafted cocktails, local craft beers and wines, and delicious appetizers while taking in the views from the sky. And you'll love the van chauffeur transportation to each stop. We provide a unique experience for visitors and locals alike. It's truly a time to bond, have fun, and learn some pretty awesome history and even make new friends along the way. Tours are offered seven days a week and year-round, included heated outdoor spaces and fire pits. Check out their website for tour schedules and ticket information, AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Find them on Instagram, Facebook, and TripAdvisor. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, when an ordinary tour just won't do. Every story has its beginning, a starting point from which it wanders the long and winding road, weaving its way toward the final word. It is on this road where the greatest moments often lie, where memories are made, lessons are learned, and where experiences can be valued forever. Each story is a journey, blind to what lies ahead and conditioned by the road behind. While the destination may or may not be known, each journey is unique, unfolding in the moment and defined by those at the wheel. Regardless of where your journey takes you, it remains yours to create. Embrace the journey. Find your ride at PrestigeSubaru.com. This is Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport, and I have a travel tip for you. 2020 is the year to make sure you get your real ID. The Department of Homeland Security is requiring all domestic air travelers to have a specific kind of driver's license for air travel. This is called a real ID. It's easy to obtain. In North Carolina, you visit a Division of Motor Vehicles driver license office and bring necessary documents with you. Then you pay a small fee and you will receive your new Real ID driver's license in the mail within a few weeks. A North Carolina Real ID includes a star emblem in the upper right corner of the license. The TSA will begin requiring the Real ID at security checkpoints in October of this year, so don't delay. Visit the DMV as soon as you can.
Of note, if you have a passport, this can also be used as your identification to go through airport security. For more information about Asheville Regional Airport, including answers to many frequently asked questions, visit flyavl.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and we're talking about some of my very, very, very favorite topics. Food, cheese, travel, people-to-people experiences. I'm here with Katie and Nancy Moore, and we've been talking a lot about uh, northern Spain region and, and what makes it so unique and so special. Give us a little bit of an idea of um, what your guests, your fellow travelers, will have in store for them as they travel with you. Sure. Uh, Well, one of the things that Nancy and I have done over the years of traveling to this region and kind of getting this tour, you know, flushing it out, every time we go, we're just making it a better and better tour. Um, But one of the main things that we do is we reconnect with the same folks every time. So we reconnect with the cheesemakers we've interacted with. We reconnect with the cider makers we've interacted with. We reconnect with the tour guides, um, all that kind of thing. So we just continue to strengthen those relationships. Um, A lot of what we do, um, because it's a small group, we're able to arrange things that I think a larger tour would have a challenge arranging. Um, so, so that's really nice that because we're so small, we're able to to do that. And because we've done this over these past few years, we have developed some strong relationships. And so the interactions that we're able to provide are just things that you couldn't do on your own and you might not be able to do in a larger group because it's too large. So our tour is uh, maximum eight people. So it's small. By the way, this year's tour is full, but we're always um, looking for, you know, future tours. Um so what we're trying to do is exactly that, have intimate interactions with people who are these um, food entrepreneurs and producers or tour guides. Um, so just really trying to provide some of those oh, experiences. Yeah. So like to a little bit more specific, we where we go and we make cheese with a cheesemaker. So that's something you're not just going and having a tasting. You're going to go and be in the production facility and get your hands a little bit dirty. Um, so that's one thing. We do some really interesting tours of uh, the cideries that where they're making cider. They're kind of behind the scenes kind of thing. And um, you, sometimes we get to meet, not all the time, but sometimes we get to meet with the head, the, what is it, a winery? The wineries, the guy that, I, know, the, no, I can't remember the name. Anyway, it's the same name in cider as it is in wine. The guy that approves. Or the woman. They're the person. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. This, in my head, I'm thinking of a specific person that says, yep, this is a good batch and we're going to move forward with that. And it begins with an E and I cannot, enologist, enologist. So we've got to meet with him, not all the time in this one cidery we get to go to and he's a hoot, you know, so you, but you, so there's that kind of experience where it's, you know, and, and and our goal, again, is to, to work with small food producers. So the same as what we experience here in Western North Carolina. We have su- such an entrepreneurial spirit here. 
And that's what we have found when we've gone on with these relationships we've made are people um, very similar to the the producers here. And that's a really wonderful connection that we'd like to make with our tour guests, um, again, just to try to break down some of those barriers or, you know, maybe a better way to say it is to expand people's horizons and views. Um, so that's that's a big push of what we're doing is really trying to um, connect with small producers and um, having those intimate experiences. And at the same time, you get to visit some historic sites and, and really learn about the history, which you were saying, Nancy, is so rich and diverse and unique. Mm-hmm. So there are museums, people... Yes. You take people to these museums and such. And, yes. And some of them are world-famous museums. Um, and, and one that I just wanted to mention real quickly because it's more about more recent history is the Guernica Peace Museum. And when Franco was the leader of Spain, just some pretty awful things happened in, in that region. So there is a museum that is not dedicated to what happened, but dedicated to how do we move forward and make sure we live in a peaceful uh, society. And so it's a wonderful museum, and we go to visit that museum as as one of the museums that we visit. So great experiences. There. It just sounds like the the people there, the culture there is so rich, and you've made friends because you've been going. How many years have you been doing this tour? This is our fourth year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, congratulations. Fourth year. Yeah. That's really great. So you mentioned that the tour was full. However, there will be more tours. and. Yes. People can go to your website and... Yeah, there's connection to me on the website if you're interested in going or want to be put, you know, let 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 want to let me know that you want to go and I can let you know when we have dates or whatever, um, please go ahead and on the website and shoot me an email. I would definitely say this would be a bucket list uh, <laughs> adventure to go on and to be able to be in a small group. I love that idea as well. I've gone now on a couple of small group tours and... You know, back in the day, I wasn't sure, like, small group tours, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I want to really do that. And yet what I've found is that the people who gravitate to what you're doing uh, really bond. Uh, do you find that in your eight-people yeah. tours? Yeah, and I think the other thing that happens is people um, give each other space, too. So it's very, you know, you, you, you have people who are pretty adventuresome tours, tourists or travelers, so um, they're willing to kind of do things on their own and have their own kind of downtime or where they want to just wander off and do something. And we, we try to provide that in the tour also. So folks, um, like you said, they, you know, this tour attracts a certain type of traveler and they all kind of get it. And so it it's works out well that way. Well, it sounds like the perfect combination of uh, interests, you know. Cheese, <laughs> yes, travel, food, travel, cider, yep. cider. Yep. and let's talk about the cider just for another minute because I, I'm not sure that people really know what cider <laughs> is <laughs> here in the United States. Yeah, yes, luckily they do yeah. not. Yeah, so there's been a resurgence of cider making recently, um, and there's a lot of what we what I tend to call cider soda out there. That's a real sweet. Um, cider drink or apple-based drink. A lot of it has other fruits or other items added to it. Um, in northern Spain, it is traditional cider, like to the point where a, a lot of folks find it actually hard to drink, especially in the Basque country. Well, even, yeah, even in Asturias, it's a real dry, dry cider. Um, they have a thing called choch, and that's where they have huge barrels where the cider comes out of that huge barrel way up high. There's some photos of it on the um, website. The reason they do that is you're trying to aerate 
that juice that's coming out of there, that fermented juice. And so you hold a glass way down low and you let that cider go in and you drink it from right standing right there. You drink it. So there's this whole tradition and way of of drinking cider. And that's the same in the Basque Country and Asturias. Um, but it's a very different cider than what we have in, in this country. Um, and then the cider that, that my partner makes is also very traditional barrel-aged cider. So not a lot of juices and, and fruit juices and sweets. And I could talk about that for an hour. So I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> That's um, fine. Because there's a lot of education well, that goes around cider. And one thing with that, when you talk about cider in Spain, it's all alcoholic. There is not like cider in the States. It's a hard cider or cider cider. Well, there, if it's not hard cider, it's not cider. So well, now, you, now you've, I think you just reeled me in on this trip, girls. Yes. I'm telling you, yeah. it so. sounds wonderful. Well, let's let's circle back around to speaking of cider and speaking of cheese and food and culture back here to Western North Carolina. Uh, tell us again when the cheese festival will be. Sure. So the cheese fest is April 26 uh, at Highland Brewing. So it's the last Sunday of April. Yep. Rain or shine. We're outside. Um, most of it. We do uh, three pairing events that are indoors, but everything else is outside. So um, the website is still if you're curious, you certainly can go onto the Cheese Fest website right now. It's all old stuff that we did last year. We're right now confirming and getting folks arranged for this year. Um, so that website, I'm hoping by middle of this month, we'll have ticket sales on and all that kind of thing. And what is that website again? So that the Cheese Fest is Mountain Cheese Fest. Dot com. Well, that's easy. Or you can go to the WNCCheeseTrail.org site and there's a link there. Right. Yeah. So you could do, I mean, I think doing the whole uh, trail, the cheese trail, because you're actually going to their place of, of where they're their making the cheese, facility, their yeah. production facility. Yeah. For some of the cheesemakers, yes. Mm -hmm. For so, some of the cheesemakers, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And then when you come to the festival, you've got the cheesemakers all there at one mm -hmm. place, and you've got cider and, and well, other goodies. Well, there's beer. There's, we're at Highland <laughs> Brewing, so oh, there's right. lots you've of got, beer. <laughs> you, um, we do a cider pairing also. Um, and then you also have other food vendors and other craft people there and we have demonstrations and workshops and I mean it is a full day it's only we have an early entry ticket that gets you in at noon general admission ticket at one and we close our doors at five and we do a lot in those few hours the family tent like you were mentioning family friendly right. the family tent is just a wonderful place for young people and their parents to or guardians whoever adults with them to interact and have some fun well, Nancy and Katie, thank you so much for being on Speaking of Travel today. We've learned so much. We're hungry for some cheese. <laughs> Luckily, there's some sitting here. Thank you so much for You're sharing. Welcome. And I'm really excited to um, support you and encourage people to look you up, look up, go on the cheese trail, go to the cheese festival, and Put this Northern Spain trip on your bucket list. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marilyn. Thanks a lot. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. This is a great week to go out and eat some cheese. In fact, go check out the Cheese Trail. Get in your car. Go travel around and really get to know the blessed cheesemakers. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 